Would you remain standing, church, for the Word of God this morning? We're reading from Paul's final words, and it's from 2 Timothy. This is what it says. It says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the Word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to the sound of wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and the will and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and carry fully, fully carry at the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. And this is the part we're here for, church. This is the bit. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Everyone say, I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's awesome. Amen. Would you high-five the person next to you and say, I'm a finisher. I'm a finisher. I am a finisher. You may be seated, church. Grab a seat. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hello to our online families. Everyone gets seated. Great to have you joining us online as well. I know we've got people from all over the place all over the world, and it's a long weekend, so there's probably a lot of our church members who are joining us online from wherever you are, maybe you're camping, whatever you're doing, hello to you, it's great to be with you this morning, and great to be with you in the room as well, it's an honour to have you here. Hey, I just want to take a really quick second to announce that on March 17, it's a Sunday you do not want to miss, now every Sunday should be a Sunday you don't want to miss, but March 17 is a very particularly important one, we've got our overseers, we've got very special guests, Pastor Brian and Sharon Weber coming, that Sunday, that's going to be awesome, we love those guys, they are Pastor Jackie and my mentors. They have been mentoring us for probably about three years now, three or four years, I reckon. Um, and they are phenomenal communicators, phenomenal leaders. They lead a church down in Tasmania, Devonport, C3 Devonport. And we are so excited to welcome them up here. So make sure you hear that Sunday. Pastor Brian will be preaching. It's going to be an amazing, amazing Sunday. So, hey, we're in the last week of our Back to Basics series. Who's excited? The final week of it. The final week. So if, if this is week one for you, then earlier on in the year, on our annual holiday, I was seeking four words for my life for the year and going, God, what, what's four words that I want to work on this year? What do you want me to focus on this year? And God gave me four words. And then he said, you know what? These are for the church too. And he actually didn't give me four. He gave me five. So this week is word five. This is the, the bonus word. So far, we've tackled focus. We've tackled fitness. We've tackled faith. And we've tackled family. If you haven't worked it out already today, we're tackling the last of them, and it is the word finish. The word finish. And it seems fitting to have that at the end of the series, right? But from our locating scripture, the title of my message this morning is Fighting the Finish. Can everyone say that? Fighting the Finish. Fighting the Finish. That's so good. So let me ask you a question this morning. If you're a bit like me, do you struggle with finishing things? Are you someone who struggles with, with finishing things? Do you feel like it's a fight to get to the end of doing something sometimes, right? That is definitely me. If you're someone like me, you start one project, you move to another, you move to another, you move to another. And before you know it, you've got like six things on the go and you haven't finished a single thing, right? 
Can anyone relate to that? There's definitely me. Michael's got his hand up at the back. Yep, that is absolutely me. Maybe not, maybe not. Maybe you're someone who can always start one thing and complete it and then move on to the next. And if that's you, man, I envy you. That's amazing. That is a great skill to have. But my brain is like a spiderweb, right? It's like a spiderweb at warp speed because I'm moving from like one web to the next and going to the next thing. And soon I've completely lost track of where I started and I haven't finished any of the things I actually came to do. It's a bit like the movie Up, you know, dog in the movie Up. He's like, he's like so bent on getting somewhere and he's like, squirrel. That's 100% me, right? But I think that's why God gave me this word as a bonus word because I think he was laughing at me because he's kind of like, I'm going to give you these four words, but if I don't give you this last word finish, you're not going to do any of them. I reckon that's what he was kind of communicating, and that's why he's like, oh, no, no, you're going to need the fifth word. You're going to need this bonus one, finish. I think that's what he was doing in my brain and in my world. But look, I think as Christians, we struggle sometimes at some point in our Christian walk to finishing what we set out to do. So let me ask you the question, do you struggle with finishing things? Is that something you internally struggle with? But I think the tension here, the tension here comes when we're in that mind space already. Maybe we're having trouble finishing something but then we meet an enemy known as the devil. Right in the middle of this, he adds extra fuel on the fire because he doesn't want us to finish, especially if we're doing God's work. Because that's something we have to acknowledge. We have a very real enemy in this world called the devil. He's real. He's a spiritual enemy. And he doesn't want you to do the work that God wants you to, right? Now, what I want to do is actually look at a character in the Bible. There's a guy who I think had an incredible ability to focus, and his name was Daniel. He had phenomenal focus. He had an incredible way of finishing. He just was amazing at it. And I think through his life, part of this was because he had extremely good character. I think that's essential for us to finish well, as it helps us to kind of pre-decide the right decisions along the way, because it comes back to our values and back to our character, right? Once he made his mind up, he seemed to be so sure that he knew what he was doing. He was just onto it. And I think, as an example, right at the start of his story, he had three other young men, he and three others, were selected to go to the royal palace. And they were selected to go in there and start learning and start training. And as part of that package, they got given food and wine from the king's own kitchen, but Daniel refused it. He was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Now, how easy would it have been if you were in that position to go and party it up with the king, right? How easy would that have been? You'd feel like, man, I've made it. I've made it. I'm in the king's house now. I'm going to hang out with him. I'm going to have a feast with him. We're going to have some wine. It's going to be a party, but he doesn't do that. He totally rejects it. He ends up convincing the chef to test him and his friends on a diet of vegetables and water for 10 days and see if they're better off than some of the other people that are being trained as well. It would have been so easy for them to decide to party on, but instead he doesn't compromise. And that's amazing. What, what, what an amazing talent and what a way of pushing forward to making sure he gets to the finish well, right? But I think having good character is one of the things that's going to help us to propel us towards that finish line. You see, another really good example of his character, which leads him to persevering so well to finish, I think, is in Daniel 6. And this is the story of the lion's den. You might have heard of this. You might not have. But this is the gist of it, right? Daniel's co-workers, so not his, his immediate friends, but almost like his, his jealous co-workers, they were, they were trying to trick him into being killed. So what they did is they realized that his character was so good that they couldn't fault him. So what they ended up doing is actually chatting with the king and tricking the king to make a law that Daniel couldn't pray to his God. For 30 days, he wasn't able to pray to his God. In fact, no one in the land was allowed to pray to their God over those 30 days. To anyone other than the king. The only person they could pray for or pray to is the king himself. 
Now, that's just crazy, right? His jealous co-workers expected that Daniel would fold, but instead he didn't. So what they did is they followed him to his house after that law was passed, and he was there praying. He was still praying to his God after that law was passed. And in fact, what he was doing is he was praying with the doors open. The Bible says he wasn't just praying in private. He was actually praying with the doors wide open. How is that for focus on finishing? Wow, that is phenomenal. That is just nuts. So from there on, the men see Daniel praying. So they go back to the king and they report it. And they're like, look, he's been praying to God. So the king goes, oh, well, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, what's, what's the charge? Does anyone remember? Be put into the lion's den, right? He was put into the lion's den. So Daniel ended up being arrested, put aside into the lion's den. And this is where it gets remarkable, right? Because the king who had passed the law actually cared so much about Daniel that he actually started to have some real, like he literally spent the whole night fasting. He spent the whole night fasting. He refuses normal entertainment. And it actually says that he couldn't sleep that whole night. Isn't that amazing? A king that had put him in that place was feeling so sad about it. And in the morning, the king runs back, runs back to the, the lion's den. And this is what he says to him. He says, Daniel, servant of the living God, you know, straight away, this guy serves God, even though he's got a law against it. Was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue from the lion's den? And Daniel answers, long live the king. And I love that he's talking about the king to the king. Isn't that amazing? He's not watering it down and going, you're my king. No, he's going the king, even though you're a king physically. And this is what he says. He says, my God sent his angel to shut out the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. So he still acknowledges the earthly king as well. Isn't Daniel's character phenomenal? But the Bible says the king was then overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Even through the trials, even through that hard place, he got to the finish, didn't he? So three things that we can do, right? Three things that I think we can learn from this. Number one, I think we've got to be ready for the finishing blow. We've got to be ready for the finishing blow. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, look, don't be surprised if your greatest attack comes right before the finishing line. Don't be surprised if your greatest attack comes right there. And why is that? It's because the devil doesn't want you to finish. The enemy does not want you to finish your mission for God. Just before Daniel was able to get freedom from the king's 30-day law, he had a battle on his hands, didn't he? He had to go through the lion's den. He had a fight. And I don't know about you, but I found in my life personally that when the devil's attack is the strongest, it's either when I've just started something new or it's right before I hit the finish line. They're the two points that I found in my world the devil attacks the hardest. That's when he comes at me swimming. And it's almost like, it's almost like he, he tries to trip us up at the start, decides it's not worth it in the middle, and then thinks, oh, it's all good. You won't make it anyway. We'll be fine here. And then he has a second thought right before you get to the end because he can see that you are about to run over the finish line at that point. He has one last really good attempt. He sends you one big fatal blow to try and knock you out and stop you from finishing your race. That's what he does. He does that to us. And even in Jesus' life, right, right at the start, straight after Jesus got baptized, the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Straight after he got baptized. If you look at it, Matthew 3, Jesus gets baptized. Matthew 4, 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's right there. It's right at the start. 
And then right at the end of his ministry, right before the finish, he dies on a cross right before the resurrection, right? Right before the resurrection. How did he die on the cross? Judas betrayed him. The attack of the enemy. The attack of the enemy. Don't be surprised in your life if your greatest attack comes right before the finish line. Especially if you're doing God's work. Especially if you're being a move of God. Why? I think this is because the devil hates this the most. So you might not actually know, but the devil was actually the lead worship leader for God. Once upon a time, he was the lead worshiper. He was the, 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 the worship leader of heaven. He was up there leading worship. And what happened is, the reason he's not in that role anymore is because he wanted to steal the praise and worship for himself. Instead of giving the glory to God, he stole it for himself and said, no, worship me. I want the worship. I want you to worship me instead of God. Which brings me to my second thing. Don't take your eyes off the prize. Don't take your eyes off the prize. As we move towards becoming a thousand worshippers by 2032, because that's our vision here at C3, the devil is going to try and steal your worship. Because the thing is in our vision, a thousand worshippers, that's you, you're a worshipper. You're a worshipper, which means you're activated to worship something, right? Or someone. But the devil wants that for himself. He's going to try at every point to try and steal your worship. It's personal. To do that, he's got to get your attention. He can't take that unless he can get your attention. He wants your eyes to be focusing on him instead of what's up there. That's what he wants to do. So as you start to contribute more to being a move of God, as we all start to build into this vision more and more to help achieve this vision, he's going to get angry and he's going to try and steal your worship from you. He doesn't want a thousand worshippers for Jesus. He wants a thousand worshippers for himself. That's his motive. That's his goal here. That's what he wants to do. He wants the worship to be all about him. So naturally, he's going to try to get your attention. He wants you to take your eyes off the prize so that you don't finish. And what's the prize? That's the big question, isn't it? What's the prize? The prize isn't free lunch, believe it or not. (laughs) The prize is souls. The prize is souls. The salvation of your friends and your family. That's the prize. That's what we're here for. We want to see people in our community find Jesus. We want to see them know Jesus. We want to see them love Jesus because that's what we believe is their best life. We believe that life is so much better with Jesus. Question is, will you be ready when he comes to take your focus? Will you be ready when he tries to slow down your fitness? What about when he questions your faith? What about when he tries to create division in your family, when he tries to stop you from finishing well? Will you be ready? That's the question. If you're getting close to the end, close to breakthrough, and whatever you're going through, whatever the situation, expect the enemy to come in swinging. Be ready for it. Be ready for it. I would rather be ready and then not turn up at all. I wish I could say that being a Christian is all roses, but I'd be lying and I wouldn't be doing my job as a pastor if I was just like, you know what, Christianity is great, being a Christian is amazing, and left it at that. That's not the truth, is it? Because it's actually a hard thing. Now, that doesn't mean don't do it. It is the most important, worthwhile thing you'll ever do too. And I love preaching a message that fills us with faith, but it would be wrong of me to tell you that even though God is good, even though God has got your back, even though he's with you in the storm, there's still someone creating the storm. And that's the devil. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. 
Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And check this out. Verse 8. Stay alert. Everyone say, stay alert. Stay alert. alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I love that Paul gives us a hint of what to do here. He says, stand firm against him, which means you need to be focused, right? Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And I love that that verse literally talks about focus, faith, family. It's all in there. The only thing that's missing is fitness, which let's be honest, we need to be able to be fit in order to stand firm. So I'm going to claim it. (laughs) But in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you've suffered for a little while, he will restore, he will support, and he will strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? But here's the deal. The enemy is real. He's a spiritual force in our world that we've got to deal with as part of being a Christian. And you might be a new Christian. You might be wondering, well, I've never noticed him before. Why, why haven't I never noticed him before? That's because you've, you've never been a threat to him. You might not have ever been a threat. So he's just been ignoring you and going, yeah, they're fine. I don't need to worry about them. But now that you're moving forward for Jesus, that's when he comes. One of his tactics is to make you think about going back to your old lifestyle. He tries to make your old life look attractive while painting your new life in Christ is too hard. Don't fall for that. Don't let him lure you into that false place. The French poet Charles Bellore actually once famously said this. He said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. Greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And so many people have quoted this since, but this is the original guy that came up with it. And I think that is so true. That is so true. Once you give your heart to Jesus, that's when it all begins to change. That's when the enemy feels threatened. But what about the things that you want to finish? Like finish intentionally early. Things that you're like, I don't want this in my life anymore. I need to finish it, right? Because that's the thing as well. Because there's one thing... It's one thing to, to get to the finish line, to, to run the long race, to get to the finish of something. But then it's a whole other thing to, to finish something early intentionally, isn't it? That's a whole other thing. Like, let's say you're someone who's just become a Christian, but maybe you're still addicted to porn, right? Maybe that's something. Maybe you need to finish that early because just because we're a child of God, it doesn't mean we're instantly perfect. Just because we've been saved, it doesn't mean those things just instantly break off on us every single time. Sometimes, great, they do. Sometimes God will deliver you from situations like that. But so often for most of us, we've still got to go through that. That's part of us moving forward for Jesus. We've still got to work towards being set free. God says you're set free of all of your sin. That's great. But it's still in our nature to keep sinning, isn't it? So we've got to work through that. So just because the weight of your sin might be gone, it doesn't mean you won't create more of it. It doesn't mean you won't create more of it. And that's something that we've got to work on, and that's what we're here to help you with as well, for God's grace to shift. You might be thinking, well, I want to finish that thing early now, whatever it might be. You might be going, I don't know how. And I think the reason is because the devil already has your attention with it. He's already got your attention. He's staring you in the eyes, and it's so hard to break focus with that, isn't it? He's having a stare-off with you. Every time he lures you in, he's getting your attention, just like we spoke about a new focus a few weeks ago. He's hiding behind the addiction. He might be hiding behind something, and you might not even realize it's him, but you're so fixated on it because you think it's what you need in your world, and you think it might be harmless. 
But he's hiding there so you can't see him all along. He's hiding behind it, distracting you and keeping your attention there instead of on the prize, the prize of souls. But the good news is, the good news is, church, is that you've got Christ inside of you. You've got Christ within you and, he, and you've got everything you need to resist the devil. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what we've got to do. I feel like at the end of today's message, I'm feeling like there's actually people here that maybe need prayer for this. So if there's people here that need prayer for that, I'm going to be down the front this morning. And prayer team, if there's any prayer warriors here, would you guys come down the front with me this morning after the service? I just feel like we really need to pray for people who need these chains kind of broken. I feel like there's people that are struggling who've got this eye contact with the devil of something and they just can't break it. So we really want to pray for that this morning. But anyway, number three, don't give the enemy attention. Don't give him the attention because that's what he wants. The best thing you can do in the moment is to not let him take your attention. Not let him take it, but instead keep running towards the finish line. Because he's going to, as you're running the race, he's going to pop up in front of you in different places. He's going to pop up and he's like, hey, me over here. And you go, no, I'm not giving you my attention. I'm going to keep running towards Jesus. I'm going to keep running towards the finish line because Jesus is standing at the finish line waiting for me. That's where he is. He's waiting for me there and I need to get there as soon as I can. I need to get there to the finish. And I think Nehemiah had the best response for this. You might be familiar with this story, but he's rebuilding the Great Wall to protect a city. In the, and he found out, or his enemies actually found out, that he was rebuilding this wall. And this is what happened in Nehemiah 6.1. It says, Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, and Arab, and the rest of the enemies found out that I'd finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. And I love this. We can use this. This is amazing. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working and come to meet with you? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing if in our world we were like, no, no, I can't come to that party. I can't do that thing. I can't come to you, my friends, who have the same addictions that I do. I can't do that because I'm engaged in a great work at church. I'm engaged in a great work moving forward for Jesus, and this is going to impact that. Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply, and I love his resilience here, because he recognized it was the enemy just looking for attention, trying to distract him. They were trying to distract him to get him off course. And I love his response to that. And the fifth time, Sambalat's servant came with an open letter in his hand. And this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it is true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that's why you're building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you've appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Now look, there is a king in Judah. You can be sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. And I love this next bit because Nehemiah just calls him out. He, he says, I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You're making up the whole thing. I love that how direct he is. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't try and find another excuse. He just goes, no, that's not true. As if. I'm engaged in a great work. I'm engaged in a great work right now. And I'm not going to let my enemies distract me from that. I'm not going to let them take me off course from doing what God has called me to do. Because what's more important than that? What's more important than what God is calling to me to do? 
God or what man is saying? That's amazing. Verse 9, they were trying, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued to work and get this, with even greater determination. With even greater determination. Don't let him distract you. He wants your attention so that you don't finish. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. He wants your attention. And he's going to try and get it in any way possible, even by lying, even by cheating. The devil wants to stop you working for God. He doesn't want you to finish. He wants to take your attention, and he wants to do exactly what Nehemiah did. But I say this. I say we use that as an indicator light to go, we're in the right direction. If the devil is coming at me with that stuff, if he's trying to distract me, get me off course, then I'm doing something for God. I'm pointing in the right direction. That's my warning light. That's my indicator to light to know I'm doing the right thing. And then we've got to focus on the prize. Would you stand with me this morning, church? As we land this morning, band, why don't you jump back up as well, please? Could you imagine if we, as C3 Port Headland, as people here in the community of Headland, if we were on guard for the enemy's attack, if we were always ready for him to strike, imagine if we were ready not just to fight him ourselves, but to fight him for each other as well. If we had each other's backs to go, hey, I can see him coming. He's coming for you right now. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you in that moment. I'm going to be here to practically help you in this time. We were always ready to step into battle, ready to pray, whether, whether it be encourage someone, encourage our friend, and be ready to worship him. Because here's the deal with battle, right? The battle actually belongs to our God. That's the part of the deal where we come to Jesus saying, help me. I don't want to fight this world alone anymore. I want to finish. I want to fight to finish. I want to fight to finish. And while we're all his soldiers, we have to be ready to fight too. But ultimately, he's fighting the battles for us. And one of the things I love the most is when we put our faith and our trust in him right in the middle of the battle. That's the most amazing moment when we put our faith and our trust in him right when we're in the battle. I almost picture it like, you know, you're on a battlefield. Picture like the movie 300. There's battle going everywhere and you're standing in the middle of it, completely still with your hands raised. That's what it is. Because we're that sure, we're that sure that God has our backs. That he's there fighting the battle for us. One of the best ways that you can do this is by your praise and your worship. Because not only is this exactly what the devil wants from you, but it cheers on our Heavenly Father if we're worshipping Him while He fights the battle because He likes that. Our Heavenly Father loves our praise and loves our worship. He loves that. As He fights the battle for us. If you're at the start of your journey, and one of the first steps for you is to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're just in that place where you've been investigating for a while or maybe you're someone who maybe you're just coming back to him after a long time away and that's awesome or maybe you're someone who you just don't know if you're going to go to heaven you've been following him your whole life well I want to pray for you this morning we're going to pray together and I want you to make a declaration this morning that you know what I'm going to follow him I want Jesus in my life it's one thing to know Jesus as a historical person but it's a whole other thing to know him really know him in relationship isn't it 
It's a whole different thing. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, we're going to pray this prayer together this morning. And in a moment, all you have to do is just repeat after me. It's just a declaration saying, you know what? I want Jesus in my world. I want Him in my life. And we're all going to say this together for the benefit of those that have never said it before. If you're online, you can do this too. You can absolutely do this. This is such a special moment between you and God, and this is the best decision you'll ever make. This is how it goes. Repeat after me, church. It says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. I believe He died and rose again to forgive my sin and give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. Make me new. I'll follow you. That's awesome. If you just prayed that for the first time, would you shoot your hand up in the air this morning? If you've just recommitted, thank you. I see you at the back. If you've just recommitted yourself and decided, you know what, I want to follow Jesus this morning, then I want to know about it because I want to give you some resources. Our team wants to get around you and help you on this amazing, amazing journey. Church, can we just congratulate anyone that just prayed that for the first time? So good. So good. And anyone online, if you just prayed that as well, then we want to chat with you as well. Hey, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing from our channel. And share with a friend because you never know who you're going to bless. You can also catch us live every Sunday morning at 9.30am Australian Western Standard Time. We'd love to see you there.